Welcome back to The David Pakman Show. I am Jesse Dollimore, host of The Dollimore Daily on YouTube and the podcast, I Doubt It. Let's talk about Congress today. Let's talk about congressional committees specifically. Let's talk about the sacred duty and the work that could be being done by passing legislation to make the lives of Americans better and easier. That is not what's taking place. Republicans have wanted power for so long, they were willing to lie, steal, and cheat, uh, lie, steal, and cheat, as it were, <laughs> to get it. And now that they're there, it's chaos 24-7. It is circus atmosphere 24-7. It's getting nothing done 24-7. Jim Jordan I mean, if you need any more evidence of what the, the statement I just made, Jim Jordan is the judiciary chairman in the House of Representatives. Jim Jordan. And Matt Gates, who's also a member of the Judiciary Committee, offered up an amendment today. And you can, you can judge whether you think this is going to make your life better, more rich, easier. I'll let you be the judge. He offered up an amendment that they start every hearing of the Judiciary Committee in the House of Representatives by putting their hand in their heart and reciting the Pledge of Allegiance. This was the important work of Congress today. At least many minutes were taken up by this debate. And rather than just go along with it, Democrats rightfully pushed back on this. And we're going to talk about that, but for, you know, let me go off on a tangent here. Uh, look, I served in the United States Marine Corps for many years. I, I don't understand the Pledge of Allegiance. I don't understand uh, this, this, this attempted indoctrination of our children of making them recite this thing. I know that you could opt out of it, but to, to swear allegiance to a piece of cloth. It's very weird to me. It's very strange to me. And for Congress people to be wasting taxpayer dollars trying to get an amendment that they start every session with the Pledge of Allegiance is just dereliction. It's insanity. And luckily, David Cicilline was there, a congressman from Rhode Island, to push back on this and offer his own amendment that if you have participated in an insurrection or you're an insurrection apologist, you don't get to say the Pledge of Allegiance. Watch this. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I, um, you know, Mr. Issa just made reference to how important it is for us to display our commitment to the Constitution and to commit to defend it aggressively. So I'd like to offer an amendment to the amendment uh, adding in the second paragraph where the chair may designate an individual to lead the Pledge of Allegiance to add the following language. Provided, however, the pledge shall not be led by an individual who supported an insurrection against the government of the United States in any way. Because I think if we adopt this amendment, then we will be truthful in, in representing that stating this pledge is an affirmation of your defense of democracy and the Constitution. It's hard to take that claim seriously if, in fact, an individual who in any way supported an insurrection against the government of the United States is allowed to lead the pledge. So I would ask Mr. Gates to accept this friendly amendment, and I look forward to supporting it. Would the gentleman yield for I first a ask question? Mr. Gates if he'll support the amendment. 
to make sure that someone who led an insurrection against the United States doesn't make a mockery of the Pledge of Allegiance and stand before this committee with their hand over their heart claiming to support the Constitution. Mr. Cicilline, my concern would be if your definition of an insurrection is objecting to electors, then there would be many Democrats on the committee that wouldn't be eligible to lead the pledge since so many That's objected. not my definition I mean, of an the, the last Republican president I'll to get concede, sworn in absent I'll Democrat objectors Ms. was George Herbert Mr. Walker Bush. Claiming my time, Mr. Gates, I will allow the chairman to determine whether or not someone has participated in insurrection in the United States. I think this language is important. Would the gentleman further yield? I'm asking Mr. Gates, will you now accept the amendment? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned that, that you may be disqualifying too many of your own members, Mr. Cicilline. I'm not concerned about that at all. Then agree to the amendment. With, with let's, the, let's make this real. If you will the, want to give someone the right to stand before the House Judiciary Committee and lead the Pledge of Allegiance at a bare minimum, let's guarantee that that person has not participated or supported or in any way helped an overthrow of the government of the United States. With the gentleman like yield. a simple proposition. Now, this is a giant waste of time. I, I've previously stated that. I still think that. But making the point is good. Making the point that David Cicilline is making here is, is a noble cause because we need to point out hypocrisy where we see it, and especially in Congress we do. And that's a full-time job when you have Republicans in leadership. To support those who, who attempted to overthrow the United States government by way of force, by trying to delay the certification by, by, by violating the Constitution, by delaying a constitutionally mandated certification of electoral voters. It, it flies in the face of this respect for the Constitution. You see a lot of these goofballs who carry around in their pocket a little, a little pamphlet that's the Constitution, and they wave it around. And they act like they're, they're, they're noble patriots. Don't tread on me, they say. Yet they full-throatedly, some with fists in the air in solidarity, like Josh Hawley, supported the insurrection against the United States. They knew what was taking place, and they supported it. So it's, it's hypocrisy run amok for Matt Gates of all people, to ask that they recite the Pledge of Allegiance in honor of our country as some masturbatory patriotism, because that's what this is. They've watched their dear leader literally hug and kiss the flag, and they believe that's the path to enlightenment. It's all just gross. But what would you expect when you got Matt Gates and Jim Jordan in the mix? The other piece of uh, congressional hearings today involves a little bit of a prediction that took place a few months ago by many of the people who do what I do. And that is, as soon as Marjorie Taylor Greene gets on a committee, it's going to be chaos. And she's going to not earnestly take the work seriously. She's going to be someone who's there to create clips for Newsmax and Fox News, and OAN. And she started off with the bang. I will say this, though. It's very clear that she's, well, she's obviously a dum-dum, but she's out of practice having not served on committees for so long uh, in her previous term. And <laughs> what, 
let me just get set the stage for you. She, she's she's questioning Jean Dodaro, who's the the comptroller general of these United States and uh, and uh, the head of the the U.S. Government Accountability Office. And Marjorie Taylor Greene's asking all these just whacked questions about whether or not COVID dollars, relief money, went to support or went to fund CRT and then other things. But let's start with the, 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 just the jackassery of the concept of this question. Here's Marjorie Taylor Greene fighting the good fight. Dodaro, can you tell me uh, how, much, how much COVID cash went to CRT? CRT? Critical race theory in education. It's, it's a racist right. uh, uh, curriculum used to teach children uh, that somehow their white skin is not equal to black skin and other things in education. Yeah. Uh, no, I do not know that. But I, I do know that there's f provisions that the uh, federal funds generally are not used, they're supposed to be used for curriculum. Oh, that's a state. Oh, Mr. Dodaro, I have to tell you, in Illinois, that they, they receive five point one billion um, at at an elementary school there that that used it for equity and diversity. Um, so it's it's being used for these things, uh, Mr. Dodaro. Can you? <laughs> I mean, of all the summations that you could hear uh, that that try to define what CRT, critical race theory, is. That's one I haven't heard, that they teach that black skin is somehow, or white skin is not as good as black skin. And then the claim that an elementary school, a single elementary school in Illinois, received $5.1 billion in COVID relief to teach CRT. That's one hell of a COVID uh, curriculum, if, if you're asking me. Uh, $5.1 would fund hundreds of schools, not just a single elementary school's curriculum in this specific thing that they're trying to fearmonger. Critical race theory, one, isn't being taught in elementary schools because it is a graduate level uh, critical theory. It, it is for law students. It is not for elementary kids. And it's most certainly not that black skin is better than white skin or white skin isn't as good as black skin or, or uh, yeah, as, as black skin. It's, see, it's, this is so stupid. It's even difficult for, I mean, I am a bit of a dumb dumb myself, but this is so stupid that it's even difficult for me to even recite. So the questioning went on. She's very concerned about COVID dollars and where they went, where relief money was spent. Uh, she, she also is asking the same man, who's a very serious dude, has a very serious job, about the funding with COVID dollars of Drag Queen Story Hour. Dodaro, can you tell me how much money was given to Drag Queen Story Hour? I'm sorry, could you repeat that? Who? Drag queen story time, where, where men dress up oh, as oh, women oh. And, and read confusing books to children. Okay. First, I thought you said dry clean. So, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, no, I don't know the answer to either one of those two. Uh, oh, we need to look into this, and I, I urge you to do that. Um, they, uh, Bradbury Sullivan LGBT Community Center in Pennsylvania received $16,000 uh, for drag queen story time uh, from, from COVID cash. 
Um, I think this is an issue that needs to be looked into. A lot of this money went to things that it should have never gone to. And I thank you so much, and I yield back the remainder of my time. If only she would permanently yield back the remainder of her time, I think America would be better off. Look, if an LGBTQ community center received COVID funds, it's not specifically earmarked for Drag Queen Story Hour. Which, by the way, no one is being harmed by that, where they read, they read confusing books, she says. Look, bring it in, Marge. Bring it in. Just because you're confused by a book doesn't mean that book is inherently confusing. She continued, it's not just CRT, the dangers of CRT, and it's not just ah, drag queen story hour. It's also uh, talking about her own PPP loan. She wanted to get it on the record in case it got brought up by someone else. That's all I can assume. But she's denigrating someone for taking PPP money while admitting that she also took PPP money. It, make it make sense. Watch this. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I'd like to bring up something that was brought up uh, by one of our Democrat colleagues on this panel about Republican members of Congress taking PPP loans. I, I never took one as a member of Congress, but as a business owner, I did take a PPP loan in order to be able to pay my employees. And I'm so thankful I was able to do that because they would have lost their jobs. And I think it's important to recognize. But the minority um, side of our our committee here is having a witness on the next panel uh, that had said that she didn't, or, or her, or any of her affiliates, take any federal grants or contracts related to this hearing's subject matter. But in fact, um, as executive director of the National Employment Law Project, they took it. They took over eight hundred twenty-five thousand in PPP loans from the SBA. So that that does need to be pointed out about the next panel witnesses. Uh, here we are, a nation. And in her mind, she just leveled a devastating blow. <laughs> Remember this tweet from like August where the White House put up uh, all of the different Congress people who were uh, maligning the forgiveness of student loans, who took hundreds of thousands and sometimes millions of dollars in PPP loans. Yeah, this is Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene had $183,504 in PPP loans forgiven. So it is the height of hypocrisy, it is the height of stupidity, and it is um, an aggrieved Republican who's looking to take out their frustrations and vengeance on uh, Democrats, I guess, but through the American people, and also by not doing their job. This, they talk about fraud, waste, and abuse so much. It's a common refrain, but really the fraud, waste, and abuse here in this case, on this segment, is Marjorie Taylor Greene not doing her job yet still getting paid to do it. And maybe Marjorie Taylor Greene should take a page out of the playbook of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, because the same hearing, the very same hearing she was there to set an example for Marjorie Taylor Greene and the rest of these nuts uh, on how to actually question and how to actually investigate and how to actually do your job of oversight. 
questioning the same man, AOC is actually getting to the bottom of actual fraud, waste, and abuse that is egregious and should be investigated, whether it's in a Republican state or whether it's in a Democrat state. Watch this. Is there any methodology you can think of that would just result in Pennsylvania, New York, and California being under investigation by this committee? Well, I, I, I would defer to the committee. I, I don't really know what their, their objectives were in that case, and I, I don't think... I understand. I, yeah. Um, now, I want to dig into this report. Um, in, according to this report, in PRAC, for example, Arizona paid $1.6 billion to individuals, uh, to stolen identities to get unemployment insurance benefits. Louisiana dispersed more than $1 million to individuals after the date of their death. And in Kentucky... State employees applied for unemployment benefits while still employed by the state and were able to hack the state's information management system and remove holds on their own accounts. And none of these states have been put under investigation by this committee. I find it very interesting because, as was stated at the beginning, the bipartisan nature of oversight is what gives it its power. And what we are seeing are investigations uh, into, and I believe that, that the methodology for these three states is highly questionable. Um, I ask uh, for this committee, if we're going to perform oversight, then let's perform oversight. Congressional Democrats are ready to perform that oversight and help our constituents get the benefits they need to pay their bills. And I think that there's no shortage of members of this committee who are willing to stand up to their own party when it's necessary. Uh, But I cannot, for the life of me, understand why the majority would send these three letters just to these three states that leave us with no other conclusion that there may be some rank partisanship in this investigation. Committee Republicans, uh, I ask, you know, if we're going to start off, let's do it right. That is a masterclass. That should be taken into account by every one of these dumb-dumb Republicans and put into practice in their own Uh, operation of their job. The fact that Pennsylvania, New York, and California are under the watchful gaze of the, uh, the House Oversight and Accountability Committee, yet Kentucky, the home state of the chairman of this committee, James Comer, is laughable. That they were paying state employees who were still working unemployment benefits and allowed them, and look, Kentucky has a Democratic governor. And what Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is saying here is it doesn't matter. If we're going to be investigating corruption, let's investigate corruption. Let's let's investigate the misuse and fraud and waste and abuse of taxpayer dollars that were meant for a noble purpose during a global pandemic that rocked the planet. But instead... They're ignoring Arizona. They're ignoring Louisiana. They're ignoring, they're ignoring every other state. The other 47 states and uh, territories and the District of Columbia where we have no representation. Again, Republicans not doing their job because they're not there to accomplish anything other than chaos other than investigations. It's Benghazi, 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 all over again, except they're using a different word. 
Because they're not there to accomplish anything. They're not there to get anything done for the American people. And it's pointed out expertly, masterfully, by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I am Jesse Dollimore. I'd love to have you subscribe to my YouTube channel. Just search my name, Jesse Dollimore. Follow me on social media. I am at Dollimore on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And you can listen to my twice-weekly podcast co-hosted by myself and Brittany Page. It's called I Doubt It, and it's everywhere that you find podcasts. One of our sponsors today is Zipix Nicotine Toothpicks. Zipix brings you a convenient alternative to smoking and vaping and the vape clouds, the ashtrays, the thing in your lip that people can see. I've seen that around. This is an easier and less messy way to curb the cravings. And you can use Zipix just about anywhere. Zipix is available in six flavors with two or three milligrams strength. The nicotine and the flavor are long lasting, and Zipix has helped countless people kick the bad habits, and they are bad habits. Zipix toothpicks are FDA registered. Their customer service is second to none. It is one of the most cost effective alternatives. Also, check out their B12 and caffeine toothpicks. See for yourself why so many people have switched to Zipix toothpicks. You can only get Zipix online. Go to ZipixToothpicks.com and get 10% off with the code PACMAN. That's Z-I-P-P-I-X Toothpicks.com. Promo code PACMAN saves you 10%. The info is in the podcast notes. One of our sponsors today is BetterHelp. Uh, Viewers of the show, listeners know I'm a big advocate of therapy. Uh, I think it's important to make it more accessible, remove any stigma that might be associated. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. And therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest, figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. BetterHelp is therapy done entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. Fill out a brief questionnaire. You'll be matched with a licensed therapist. Switch therapists anytime at no additional charge. I'm a huge believer in talk therapy, and BetterHelp is making it more accessible to more people. You can even find a therapist who specializes in certain areas, which maybe you can't find where you are geographically. There are lots of great benefits to doing therapy online. Get it off your chest. Visit BetterHelp. Go to BetterHelp.com slash Pacman show today to get 10% off your first month. That's better. H-E-L-P dot com slash Pacman show. The link is in the podcast notes. It's a new year. Many of us are trying to make new positive changes. Here's something really simple that could be a game changer. Our sponsor, Athletic Greens. Every day I take a scoop of AG1. I get 75 high quality vitamins, minerals and whole food sourced ingredients to last me all day long. This way, I just know my nutritional bases are covered for the entire day. It has everything I want. And that's important to me. Rather than doing the individual supplements and vitamins or whatever, I don't want to do any of that. Okay. AG1 
is the simplest way to just get everything I want for my nutritional foundation each day. AG one is also a great bang for your buck. You're going to end up spending way more on all those bottles of vitamins and supplements and minerals. So save some money, make your life easier. Just a scoop of AG one. I love the travel packs, which let me take AG one wherever I go. I have the big pack of AG one at home. And when you go to athleticgreens.com slash Pacman, you'll get five free travel packs plus a free year supply of vitamin D, which I use during the winter. That's athleticgreens.com slash Pacman. The link is in the podcast notes. I want to welcome you back to the David Pakman Show. I am Jesse Dollimore filling in for David while he is out, hopefully resting and relaxing this week. Let's talk about Kevin McCarthy. Let's talk about Congress in general and the the budget battle that we're facing and the the debt ceiling battle that we're facing. We we can set aside the fact that Republicans uh, approved uh, an inc- the, the, the debt ceiling fight. They, they they went through it and they approved a debt ceiling increase for for three times under Donald Trump when Donald Trump was president. Three times, no problem. Oh yeah, it's not a big deal. It's it's the responsible thing to do when there's a Republican in office. But when a, a Democrat is in office, then oh no no we we need to we're going to shut down the government if you don't bend and bow to our demands. Again, because it's not about governance. It's not about what's best for the full faith and credit of the United States of America. It's not about any of that. It's about scoring political points. It's about chaos in the system. And Kevin McCarthy was just at the White House and um, had a meeting with Joe Biden. He comes out of the meeting and is peppered with questions for several minutes by reporters. And there's one question in in particular that I really want to hone in on because... One, Kevin McCarthy is woefully inadequately uh, suited for this job. He's not real bright. He's not very articulate. And he just generally kind of fumbles around in the dark for an answer. Uh, the second clip will really, really illustrate that. But let's start with this first question. Uh, I don't know how well you're going to be able to hear the audio. So I'll just I'll, I'll ask the question then then you'll be able to piece it together when you hear the reporter ask it. It's what credibility do conservatives and Republicans have when they talk about reducing the debt and deficits when in the previous administration, when Republicans had control of both the White House and Congress, they ran up the bill. And this, there's no way to disagree with the premise of this questions. This is fact. When Republicans have been in office, they run away. Deficits go crazy. The national debt soars. Now, these are metrics that you can argue whether they're important or not. I, I don't generally think a large national debt makes that much difference. But let's set that aside. We'll just set that aside. The fact of the matter is Donald Trump, with his irresponsible unpaid for tax cuts, wasn't able to fund the government and every, all the spending that needed to be done. And his tax cuts resulted in, they were promised that they would be paid for. They promised it would spark the economy so much that uh, it would just be cash hand over fist into the treasury. The fact of the matter, the, 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 the data, the, the, the actual reality is that there were one trillion and one and a half trillion dollar deficits 
$1,000 billion deficits and one and a half uh, and $1,500 billion deficits every year of Donald Trump's presidency. Making it so that Donald Trump is responsible personally, as his administration, for 25% of our overall national debt. And the goof was only in office for four years. It pales in comparison. It makes Reagan's administration and the, the wild rampant spending look like child's play. But let's, let's get to this question from the reporter and listen to Kevin McCarthy's answer. And uh, we'll talk about it on the other side. Mr. Speaker, what credibility do conservatives and Republicans have when they talk about reducing debt deficits? That's a great question. Previous administrations, um, when Republicans had control of both the White House and Congress, uh, ran up the bill. Okay, let's just go by the, the sheer facts and figures, all right? So Republicans were in the majority for eight years, and then the Democrats came in the majority for the last four years. So in the last four years, the Democrats have increased discretionary spending by 30%, over $400 billion. When the Republicans were in majority twice that long, the discretionary spending didn't go up $1. It went down $10 billion. So I think that the, the credibility lasts easily with the Republicans. If you want to argue about from a place where the, pres the, the past president, um, if you continue down the same path, this presidency will spend and put us in debt much greater than before. So look, I'm not in a place that I'm going to point fingers. I'm in a place of being the Speaker of the House. My role right now is to make sure we have a sensible, responsible ability to raise the debt ceiling but not continue this runaway spending. This is a moment in time that for all American households, Every family does this, every business does this, every state government, every county government. When they have spent too much, they rein back, look where waste is at, look where investments would be better, and sit down and talk in an adult fashion. That's the conversation I just had with the president, and that's the conversation I want to continue so we can come to an agreement. Why didn't you have those conversations while Donald Trump was president? Why didn't you identify those areas that are now so important that you're willing to shut down the government over them? Kevin McCarthy. And all of the ancillary nonsense that you bring up doesn't defeat the points that when Donald Trump was in office, prior to becoming president, when he spoke to Bob Woodward with the, the Washington Post and said the audacious claim that he was going to pay off the entirety of the United States debt inside of eight years. And instead, jacked it up, went crazy spending, not raising enough money into the treasury through tax cuts that, by the way, didn't sunset. They sunsetted for the middle class. They didn't sunset for the rich. This just, it's hypocrisy and it's excuse making and he's stumbling and bumbling and trying to find a point. And only Republicans fall for this. Because it's, it's nonsense and it's propagated, this propaganda, by right-wing media outlets. Now, getting back to the point earlier about how he is unfit to be speaker, that he's not qualified or capable of being speaker, listen, uh, listen, 
There's a lot of word salad politicians in Washington. Many come to mind. One not in Washington, maybe chief among them, is Sarah Palin. But there's a lot of them out there. George W. Bush was famous for his word salad. This sentence, I challenge you to, <laughs> to explain to me in my feeble brain what the hell he is talking about. Listen to this. I believe in hearing both perspectives like anything else, be it business, be it in family, be it in relationships, that you can find common ground. There's nothing in there but me walking away that does not believe at the end of the day we can come to an agreement. <laughs> did, you, did, did you catch that? Because I sure didn't. I have no idea what he's talking about. Let's read it again. <laughs> There's nothing in there but me walking away that does not believe at the end of the day we can come to an agreement. There's nothing in there but me walking away that does not believe at the end of the day we can come to an agreement. Make it make sense. Please. It's not, it's not a rhetorical question. Please. It's not a rhetorical request. Please. Make it make sense. He's just not fit. He's not ready. I mean, th th we, we have many damaging speakers of the House over the course of the history of our country, even more modern times. Newt Gingrich comes to mind. But they were articulate. They could find a complete sentence with, with, uh, with but one hand, and, and Kevin McCarthy is just incapable. And it's, uh, it's going to hurt you. It's going to hurt America overall because he's going to allow the, the, the inmates to run the prison. He already is letting that happen with Marjorie Taylor Greene. And while he's uh, running over the White House to, to make a big to-do about his negotiation, nothing's getting done other than you know, some real damage that may be irreparable. The other thing that Kevin McCarthy did today was not just involving going to the White House and not speaking in complete sentences that can be understood by people who uh, their native tongue is English. Uh, he was at a prayer breakfast, the, 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 the gathering for prayer and repentance, a Tony Perkins joint, I guess. And it is a gathering of, of, of Christian nationalists and radicals. And there were over a dozen members of Congress there today. And I'm going to play a couple of clips here. One, um, Kevin McCarthy went and actually gave a prayer at this thing with, with members of Congress, Republicans in Congress before him, doing his Father God thing and, and really laying it on thick that he's some holy, devout, righteous man of God. And uh, give you a flavor for that. Then let's move on to Andrew Brunson, who's a Christian nationalist preacher who is just laying the, the bigotry, just amping it up to 11. Watch Kevin McCarthy give his little prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you today to seek your forgiveness. Father, we thank you for that forgiveness. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. Father, I want to lift up these faith leaders from across the nation. Father, I want to thank you that we can pray and seek your word and seek your forgiveness in the museum of the Bible. It's all a bit much. Look, uh, th this is not intended 
uh, as, as a mockery of religion. This is my faith tradition. This is what I grew up in, is this, this, this flavor of, of evangelicalism, uh, ultimately what is white Christian nationalism. But to parade yourself out, praying to Jesus Christ while jettisoning any adherence to the philosophies of the actual man is just, I mean, blasphemy comes to mind. Sharing a stage, the woman off to the left there on your screen, Mary Miller, is someone who has praised Hitler in speeches right outside the United States Capitol. But let's go to Andrew Brunson, who is giving a, a just a, a wild, bigoted screed talking about us living under and being ruled by the rainbow flag. It's, let's talk about it on the other side. Watch this. I believe that we are in danger of judgment as a nation, especially because we have become the primary corrupter of the world, and particularly of youth and children. Our government and corporations increasingly march under the rainbow flag. We bully weaker and poorer countries to come under that flag. Our universities train millions of foreign students who return to their countries with this ideology. Our social media and entertainment companies make it attractive. They promote, they normalize, celebrate immorality. And there's no escaping them as they blanket the world. There are godly mothers and fathers around the world who fear our influence. And sometimes when I'm in a foreign country, I want to fall on my knees and repent for what we are doing to these countries, to these people. Jesus said, woe to the ones, to the one who causes others to sin. And he underlines this especially in relation to the young. Whoever causes one of these little ones to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depth of the sea. I hate to break it to you, Andrew Brunson, gay people exist. And we're not marching, uh, our government and corporations increasingly march under the rainbow flag. Gay people exist. And they are American citizens who have rights. Equal protection, as far as the 14th Amendment of the Constitution and for Kevin McCarthy to share the same stage on the same day within this, the frame of a few minutes as this bigot is alarming. This is the, the political battle of the next eight to 10 years, maybe beyond. Because they're no longer quiet. They're no longer whispering about being Christian nationalists. And again, when you hear Christian nationalist, you should automatically know that it is white Christian nationalists. Because these same people who talk about the philosophies of Jesus, they don't want equality for everyone. They don't want equity on a stage through education or financial um, uh, assistance in this country. They want to prop up white supremacy. They want to oppress gay people. They want to strip away women's reproductive rights. And if 
if, if you don't think that it's important and you think that I'm just rambling here about some prayer breakfast, you need to pay a closer, closer attention to what is taking place because this has been a concerted effort, a strategic effort over the course of decades when the religious right and the, the moral majority of Jareth Falwell, this is what they've led to. This is what they have planned and strategically worked for over the course of 30 or 40 or 50 years. And they're getting their way. They're winning. Roe v. Wade was overturned by a group of fanatical religious nutbags who sit on the Supreme Court. And it would be one thing if it was just Andrew Brunson, some guy you've probably never heard of. But it's not just Andrew Brunson. Randy Weber, Republican from Texas, actually gave a prayer here, I'm going to play it for you, where he's sobbing and weeping about all the millions of babies that we've killed. He's he's begging God for forgiveness to put America back on the right path at worshiping you. We've taken God out of the classroom, ignoring the First Amendment of the Constitution. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion. But they want Jesus in the classroom taught to little Muslim kids or little Jewish kids or little atheist kids. So it's not just Andrew Brunson. It is members of Congress who have the power to vote on legislation who are there too, who are, who are luxuriating in the bigotry. Watch Randy Weber. Father, you say in your word that unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stay awake in vain. Lord, we are a nation without a rudder adrift. Father, we think we're so smart. We've kicked you out of schools. We've kicked prayer out. We've kicked the Ten Commandments. And we've replaced you with drug-sniffing dogs, with armed police officers, with metal detectors. Lord, forgive us. Father, we've trampled on holy matrimony. Lord God, we have killed so many babies and we call them a choice and I remember in Deuteronomy 30 19 Moses called Israel to choose life so that we and all of our descendants could live Lord our descendants aren't living we're killing them in the womb father you also say in your word that the borrower is slave to the lender and Lord we have totally forgotten your word and your precepts and we're 33 trillion dollars in debt Father, we think we're so smart, but Lord, please forgive us. Please, please put America back on the right path to worshiping you, Father. I ask this through the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. Amen. Come on, man. That guy gets to vote on legislation. That guy has an impact on your everyday life. Sobbing and wailing and gnashing of teeth weeping that he cannot 
rule your life with his Christo-fascism that we've trampled on holy matrimony because dudes can get married now. What? It's all, it's all dangerous that will impact your life at some point. You might not feel it now, but in eight or 10 years, if this is ignored, we're going to be in a really tough spot. Once again, I am Jesse Dollimore. I'd love to see you follow me on social media, at Dollimore on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok just at Dollamore. Look for me here on YouTube. Uh, just search my name, Dollamore Daily. I host uh, just about every day. And I host a twice-weekly podcast called I Doubt It that you could find anywhere that you find podcasts. See you there. You know, I have a very acute newfound appreciation for how busy being a new parent makes you. If you have a little one at home like me, here's something really easy you can do to simplify your life. Our sponsor, Little Spoon, is your one stop shop for healthy, easy meal time and snack time for your baby, toddler, or big kid delivered right to your door. Little Spoon delivers fresh, organic baby food, which comes in single ingredient varieties or multi textured purees. Little Spoon is meals for toddlers and big kids. They're free of junk and taste great. Even the pickiest eaters love them. I've even tried many of them myself. They really are great. Having healthy snack time is so easy with Little Spoon's organic smoothies, which come in convenient pouches in great flavors like strawberry banana shake, purple carrot acai. I love purple carrots. I'm going to admit that my girlfriend and I have had a great experience with our Little Spoon subscription. It just makes life easier. Anything to reduce the chaos is a great thing. Little Spoon is giving my audience 50% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com and use code PACMAN50OFF, all one word. That's littlespoon.com. Get 50% off at checkout using code PACMAN50OFF. That's PACMAN50OFF, all one word. You can find the info in the podcast notes. Welcome back to the David Pakman Show. I am Jesse Dollamore sitting in for David while he is away. Let's, let's talk about a common refrain, a common turn of phrase that I use, and that is a dignity-free performance. I am baffled by Republicans, especially election deniers out there, who are shameless in their efforts and, uh, and shameless just in general about their lies and their predictions and everything else that just never comes true. And Mike Pillow as David likes to call him, the My Pillow goof, Mike Lindell, he is maybe chief among them in the dignity free performance category. He was on, he was on Jimmy Kimmel. And it was a, a remarkable, like, what is this guy doing? It, it's, sometimes when you watch him, it's just so perplexing that he's, I think this guy's a true believer. And then sometimes he does other things. I'm just, I don't understand it. So let's 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 put our heads together here and watch this. Jimmy Kimmel stuffed him into a, a fake prop claw machine and made him do his appearance on the show from the machine. And he went along with it. Watch this. 
All the colorful, unhinged characters who've come to prominence in the political era of Donald Trump. Our next guest is probably the most enthusiastic to help him overcome his debilitating fear of machines. We have installed him inside a claw machine for his interview tonight. And joining us now from the corner of Donkey Kong and Qbert, the My Pillow guy, Mike Lindell. Hello, Mike. Jimmy Crumble, is that you? It's me. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mike. First question, Mike, is why do you think people don't take you seriously? Well, I, you know, I want to tell you this, Jimmy. Remember okay. when we were kids and uh, we questioned these carnival games, whether they were rigged or not? Yeah, right. But when, but when we spoke up back then, we didn't get sued, did we? No, that's right. Hey, Mike, get rid of that kid. Will you give him a toy or something like that? There you He's go. You got a winner. It's a rigged game. It's a rigged game. It's a rigged game. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, I know that you're distrustful of machines. Now that you're inside one, do you feel differently? No, same thing. There's, there are computers can be rigged out there, yeah, absolutely, in elections. You know that. Did you ask Donald Trump uh, whether you should do this or not? Do you run this sort of thing by him? No, I didn't, Jimmy. I did this all on my own. I wanted to be on your show. You, you, you know, you kept telling me to come on, but you, you know, I seen the monologue there. You said it's because to put me in here because I was wasn't vaccinated. You tricked me. You did it to be funny, huh? Yeah, no, I didn't. No, I didn't want you in there because you weren't vaccinated. I don't know. <laughs> to be honest, I don't even remember why I decided you should be in there. Just, <laughs> no, you said it on your show. It seemed like a good idea when it happened. I have to say, I was very surprised when you said. You would do it, but you know, I put it out there, and so you said yes. So yeah. I, you know, I'm honoring that commitment that well, I made no, on the air. <laughs> I mean, oof comes to mind, cringe comes to mind, embarrassing, humiliating, all of these terms. What is he doing? He's not bolstering the case that he's correct. He's he, he, he's he's creating a situation where. Any credibility, there was none anyway, that he may have had is just whew, like dust in the wind. Bizarre, to be sure. The other bizarre item that I want to talk about here is George Santos. Again, sat down with OAN in a wide-ranging interview, very candid, exclusive interview with One America News. And he's not backing down. He apologizes out of one side of his mouth and then says that uh, he's, it, a lot of people are creating a fake narrative that he faked his way to Congress or a narrative that he faked his way there, ignoring all of the lies and he's taking issue with it. He's acting like it's unfair how he's being treated differently than any other member of Congress. And then finally, a, a clip that he's gonna go ahead and extra step now and double check and cross-reference everything as though he needs to do that with the details of his own life. It's all a bit much. Watch this first clip. The business of politics is, is littered at the highest levels with deceit, mistruths, corruption, of course, and this is kind of the time that you're now entering politics. So with that climate in mind, um, I guess where do you want to start in your, in your story, your, your upbringing maybe? Well, Caitlin, look, I come from a humble beginning. I've always said that. I grew up in abject poverty uh, in Jackson Heights in Queens in New York City. Uh, people like me aren't supposed to do big things in life. And when we do, it disrupts the system. And I know that a lot of people want to create this narrative that I, I faked my way to Congress, which is absolutely categorically false. Um, I've worked hard. I've built ground up a career. 
um, through experience and through knowledge and through self-education. Uh, and, you know, I think it's amazing that I have to sit here and be spoken down to on a regular basis, yet again, by the media. Is George Santos really, does he have the gall and the temerity and the, the, the boldness to, to try to play this off as the system coming down on him because he's the poor, lowly, poor kid who isn't supposed to make it? That the, all the odds were stacked against me. Growing up poor in abject poverty doesn't mean that you makes you a liar. Take it from me. I grew up exceedingly poor on welfare, free lunch, all the, the, the works, the food stamps. It doesn't make you a liar. And here, watch this, Mr. I've, I've made atonements. I've made apologies. I'm very sorry. I shouldn't have done what I did. Here he is whining about the unfair treatment that he's undergoing right now. Now, angry, that's uh, maybe you can say that I'm passionate about all of this, but anger is just not something you, I would think is appropriate to describe me. What emotions do you feel right now? You know, sad. Sad that I've, I put myself in this predicament and, and, and I own up to it. But I'm sad that the media has decided now to target my family. The media has decided to target and harass my friends, anybody around me. I signed up for this job, Caitlin. I signed up for this. Not my, my sister with my five-year-old autistic niece or not my husband at home with our dogs. They didn't sign up. But you me. knew, you knew putting yourself in, uh, anyone that puts themselves in the spotlight, they, they know what baggage that comes with. I have yet to see this be done to other members of Congress's family, from the death threats to the media harassment, pounding down the door, leaving passive aggressive notes, all things I'd be glad to share with you. And if you can air this during this, I'll share you passive aggressive threatening notes. A threatening note is not passive aggressive. It's aggressive. It's threatening. It's also a crime. So if you have evidence of journalists threatening you, go to the authorities. It is a federal crime to threaten the life or threaten a sitting member of Congress. Do the good hard work, George Santos. The media is not targeting you and you're not being unfairly treated. You think you're the only member of, I don't believe you're getting death threats. But do you think you're the only member of, have you listened to, to Eric Swalwell and the voicemails he releases on his Twitter? Crimea River, you've created the media frenzy. You should be pleased as punch at what has taken place. So enough, we get it. Follow me on social media if you'd like to leave me threatening and uh, passive-aggressive notes. I'm at Dollamore on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. You can find me here on YouTube. Uh, Dollamore Daily is the show that I host daily. Dollamore, see how it works? <laughs> I also co-host a podcast with uh, Brittany Page called I Doubt It that you can find at dollamore.com or anywhere that you find podcasts. I'd love to see you there. 
You might remember that a few years ago, uh, the show got hacked and many thousands of dollars were stolen. We never got it back. It's a terrible feeling. It can happen to anyone. But a couple of years ago, we got aura, which really gives us significantly more peace of mind. And our sponsor aura is the app that protects you from scammers by alerting you anytime your info like email, passwords, social security number are found in data breaches. Aura also automatically requests removal of your info from search engines and it can reduce spam calls. Aura alerts you quickly about suspicious credit inquiries, like if someone tries to take a loan out in your name. And Aura's password manager makes it easy to keep your account secure to begin with. Aura also has parental controls for your kids' devices. You can restrict apps or manage screen time, set focus time, make sure they're doing homework instead of binging on YouTube. You can try Aura. Free for 14 days at aura.com slash Pacman. Use the free trial to see if your email password are already out there. You may be surprised. That's AURA.com slash Pacman to try Aura free for 14 days. The link is in the podcast notes. Welcome back to the David Pacman Show. I am once again Jesse Dollamore filling in for David while he is not here to do the videos. <laughs> uh, right now, we are facing a budget battle. We are facing a debt ceiling increase battle that Republicans are making hay over. They are make, trying to score political points in an effort to, again, create chaos and as much of it as they can. Jim Shudo had a guy named Dusty Johnson. That's apparently his real name, Dusty Johnson, Republican from South Dakota on and Jim Shudo is doing a valiant job, a noble effort here, attempting to get Congressman Dusty Johnson to just name one, one single program that he wants to put on the chopping block to cut in an effort to save the budget or whatever. He gives him multiple times, multiple chances to do this, and the guy just flat out refuses, using some lame excuse about not wanting to negotiate in public, and I'm not going to negotiate on TV. The same thing we're hearing Kevin McCarthy say. But it's very easy. If you want to be a leader, you want to be a congressman, you want to be someone who's in this budget battle, making responsible choices about America and the spending of taxpayer dollars, you should be able to name at least one program that you think needs to be revamped relative to spending. Watch this. So, so first, on the, the budget demands uh, of, of your party here, what specific programs are you putting on the table to cut? Well, that's not how a negotiation works. And in fact, uh, the law says that the president needs to step forward with a budget first. His team is going to miss their February deadline. They say they're not even going to get that done until March. So here's what I think is step one. Today, we need to have the president and the speaker in the same room. That's going to happen. And we need to have uh, President Biden agree that he will negotiate over the reckless spending that our country has been engaged in. But as you know, uh, the debt ceiling relates to budgets already passed by Congresses, uh, including with Republican votes. What are the positions? Because a negotiation, as you know, involves, if you want to call it that, involves two sides uh, presenting their positions. Can you name a single uh, program that Republicans would be willing to cut money from to make a deal? But see, I think that's ridiculously unfair, and here's why. The credit card bill comes to our family. We have maxed out our credit cards. Now, of course, listen, we're going to pay that credit card bill. We're legally obligated to do so. 
But rather than force all of the onus on the Republicans, which I know y'all love to do, what a responsible, reasonable, and sensible family would do is yeah, sit down together uh, and start to talk through how do we stop I'm not putting all the onus spending? on Republicans. That's the law. The, the law puts the onus uh, on Congress and the nation to pay its bill. But, but please go ahead. Is there a program that you can name that you personally would be willing to see money cut from? Well, yeah, there are lots of programs. But, that, but the point yeah. is, I'm not going to negotiate against the Republican Party on CNN. The only thing that we're asking for today is for President Biden to be responsible, sensible, and reasonable, and being willing to come to the table and negotiate. So Mr. Thumb with ears, Dusty Johnson refuses to answer even one single program. And his little, his cute little family analogy, it just doesn't hold water. A family can't print money. Budgets, it's not a one-to-one -one comparison. And anyone who acts like it is, is pulling the wool over your eyes about how simplistic it is. It's a complex macroeconomic system we have here. And budgets aren't like, well, I got a mortgage and I got a credit card bill and I got my grocery bill. And we'll just, it's not how it works. And he knows it. Mr. Thumbs with ears knows it. It is, it is disingenuous to say the least. A little good news though, let's finish with this. Ron Klain, the outgoing chief of staff for the White House gave a speech and it, it made this, uh, the, the, it's a, a video of him giving the list of accomplishments of this White House, of this administration. And uh, it is, when you hear it all at one time, it really does bring into focus all of the things that have gotten done, even with uh, a Joe Manchin and a Kirsten Cinema standing in the way of some of the real big progress things we could have gotten done. Watch Ron, Ron Klain. You've heard me say this before, but I never tire of saying it. Together, we passed the largest economic plan, the most significant one since FDR, while managing the largest land war in Europe since Truman. We passed the biggest infrastructure bill since Ike, passed more judges than any first-year president than JFK, and the second largest health care bill since LBJ, the most significant gun control bill since Bill Clinton was president, and the largest climate bill passed by any country at any time, anywhere on planet Earth, all while managing the worst public health crisis any president has faced since Woodrow Wilson, with the narrowest majority in Congress of any new Democratic president in 100 years. It's, it's impressive. It is impressive. These things did get done uh, despite the efforts of Republicans, despite the efforts of the independent now, Kirsten Cinema and uh, Democrat um, from West Virginia, Joe Manchin. Does, he's a little out of breath there. There's so many things to mention in so little time. He seemed out of breath. It reminds me, it reminds me of that scene from Liar Liar when Jim Carrey, his character, gets pulled over by the cop and then the cop just asks, do you know how fast you were going or do you know why I pulled you over? You know why I pulled you over? Depends on how long you were following me. Why don't we just take it from the top? Here goes. I sped. I followed too closely. I ran a stop sign. I almost hit a Chevy. I sped some more. I failed to yield at a crosswalk. I changed lanes in the intersection. I changed lanes without signaling while running a red light and speeding. Is that all? No. I have unpaid parking tickets. Yeah. <laughs>
Am I right? Or am I right? Hey, Ron Klan, you know, he's leaving the White House. So he, he, has a, he could, if they make a liar, liar too, he, he, could, he could play a role where he says a bunch of words real quickly and out of breath. Anyway, uh, that is it for me. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, I'd love to have you connect with me on social media and here on YouTube. Out there on the social media landscape, I am at Dollamore just about everywhere. And right here on YouTube, just search my stupid name, Jesse Dollamore or Dollamore Daily. Thanks a lot.